turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 14, verse 27. And I want to talk to you today about the peace that surpasses comprehension. The peace that goes beyond human understanding to fathom how can I be so calm? Or someone may say to you, how can you stay so calm? In John chapter 14 at verse 27, Jesus earlier in the chapter is speaking about his departure. He talks about the many mansions that he has and he will return for us. And we have this scenario, but in John chapter 14 at verse 27, Jesus bequeaths to us this great quality. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Among the many things that we could name, and we just sang a great song written by Andre Crouch, my tribute, all the things that he has done for us, and to God be the glory. This is one of the things that Jesus has bequeathed to us now, peace. And if you'll come with me to one other verse I want to read, it's in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and verse 7. Jesus bequeaths to his people, to his church, to us, Peace I leave you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now, in Philippians chapter 4, beginning at verse 6, I'm going to interpose and interject the word anxious, where we have the word careful, because that's what it means. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I want you to look at that little phrase that says the peace of God, which goes beyond, it surpasses comprehension. And the word keep means to guard. It will guard your heart, just like you would see a sentry or security in front of a door where people are not allowed to enter. The peace of God, which is beyond human comprehension, surpasses comprehension, will guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. For those of you, and there's a few here that watch my daily broadcast where I find myself in a park somewhere and I try to make a setting that's relaxing, peaceful, I give a little exhortation, 20-minute broadcast, not very long. I made some statements this week, and one of them I'd like to bring to your attention. After all these years of preaching and teaching and prayer and prayer meetings and everything that goes along with church life, which the pastor is always the overseer, I am the chairman of every single ministry in this church. Now, you may say, well, that sounds like fun. <laughs> Trust me, it's not so much fun. A lot of responsibilities. And I always took my responsibilities seriously. I still do. But I've said in times past as well, and thought to myself, all of the reasons I would never be a Christian. And I can give you a longer list, but I'll just give you one. I think to myself when I observe Christians, professing Christians, if I was an outsider and I was seeking for peace, and I had to observe the behavior of professing Christians who carry Bibles and go to church services. I've come to the conclusion that in many cases, I won't even go so far as to say most, 
There really isn't enough evidence if they were to solicit me and say, hey, come join us. Me being the independent thinker I've always been, I would say, why? You're the same as I am. Quote Bible verses, and I suppose you read it at home so that you can quote them. But why? Why would I want to join you? And oddly enough, this is exactly what happened to Charles Finney. If you know anything about American history, if you know anything about the Second Great Awakening, when he was invited to a prayer meeting in a local church, apparently the local church was always praying for revival. So they asked him, why don't you join us? At the time, he was not a believer in Christ. He didn't start out as a believer in Christ. He was a lawyer. And his response to them is, why? You never get answers. He observed the fact that they regularly met for prayer, but never got answers. But in a very odd twist of providence, he was their answer. Because Charles Finney went on to be the premier leader of the Second Great Awakening, which had a tremendous effect on our country. So much so, it even affected the Constitution, the amendment of prohibition, which didn't last long. But I'm not looking at that as an example of anything except the influence of a true revival. But Finney reasoned, as do I, why would I want to be in some organization if they're exactly the same as me? That's why I've always been so grateful that Christ saved me the way he did. I am convinced that Christ did and does give this peace to all who will accept it. But you know, just like opposing forces, you're holding on to one and it's pulling you this way and you're holding on to the other and it's pulling you that way, you can't do that and have the peace of Christ. We've got to hold on to Christ, not necessarily Christianity. That is subject to the church, the denomination, the fellowship that defines it. But Christ is Christ. He is our rock. We build our lives on him. Peace I leave with you. And I've always loved this personal pronoun that he says in giving this to us. Either you have it today, or if you don't, you have opportunity to have it today. My peace. Now, I've met some people that I admire for their ability to remain calm. Not all of them professing Christians. Yet, if I know this verse, and I do, and I know some of these people, and I do, and I had to make a choice between saying, I would like to have the peace that he has, or she has, or I'd like to have the peace that Christ has, that's my choice. You realize all the things that Jesus went through? You read through Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, and then we go further even with the apostles. Look at the prophets in the Old Testament as well. And you realize all the stress that he had. And the one thing that we notice about Jesus he never seems to be thrown back on his heels, surprised, but he's always calm. And Jesus says, I'm not just leaving you peace. I'm leaving you my peace. Now, I want you to ask yourself this question today. Say to yourself, why don't I have that peace? Now, you profess Christ, right? The great majority of you here, if not everybody here, you profess Christ. Why don't you have that peace? Now, it's a presumption or an assumption that you don't. I hope that you do. But if you don't, ask yourself that question, how come I don't have that peace? Well, Jesus left it to you. And we already know we don't pay for these things. They're bestowed upon us freely. Jesus said, freely you have received, so freely give. Everything that God has taught me, I received freely, so I just hand it back to you and to those that watch, to those that listen on radio or wherever I find people. God gave it to me freely, and I give it back freely. Say to yourself today, why don't I have that peace? And if you don't have the answer, I'll save you the trouble of going home and thinking for days and weeks. It's because you're holding on to two different worlds. And I'm not questioning your salvation. 
I'm not questioning the fact that you actually do believe, belong to Christ. I'm not questioning that. But you're holding on to two things, and they're going in opposite directions. Let me say something to you that's personal. I announced to you a couple of weeks ago I have been vaccinated for one shot. Now I have to go back in 48 hours to get my second shot. And so I run into people that say, ooh. <laughs> I knew people that were paralyzed. Yeah, so I do too. But I want you to go home. I want you to try an experiment. I want you to read the back of a bottle of aspirin. Just aspirin. Don't even go any further with any other medications that yeah. you're taking. Just read a bottle of aspirin. Read it. I have. Read all the contraindications, all the things that can happen from a simple aspirin. But then somebody else says to me, Pastor, well, what about trusting God? And my answer is, do you take medications? Dead silence. Just get rid of them all and trust God. By the way, that was early on in the Pentecostal movement. It didn't work out so well. Me, I trust God and see physicians. I trust God and use technology. Anyway, I want to alert you to what's going to happen Tuesday morning. I want to tell you. I told this to my wife, she left. She just said, okay. Nothing. Nothing's going to happen. I'm not going to die. I'm not going to be in a wheelchair. I'm not going to be shaken. And I tell you why. Because I have scriptures to stand on. Now listen, whatever you do with the vaccine is none of my business. I'm not asking you to report to me. I do believe that this is a personal choice. I researched it. I watched it for quite a while. As you know, I'm a cardiac patient. And in my case, in my case, it's indicated. So I've been vaccinated my whole life. You say, well, what does that have to do with this message? It has everything to do with this message because I have peace. And you know what? If they shot me in the arm and all of a sudden went, bam, boom, dead, right in the store. To God be the glory. I'm done. All done. As a matter of fact, many years ago, the then musician Cat Stevens, in a song about Moonshadow, the title was Moonshadow, and if I ever lose my eyes and if I ever lose my legs, I won't have to work. He put a positive spin on these things. Well, I'm just simply trying to illustrate that I'm not moved by people trying to pull me this direction. I'm certainly not moved by people trying to pull me in this direction. I have the peace of Christ. And if you don't, it's probably because you're being torn in two different directions. When we have to have our eyes on Jesus, our eyes on the word, then go about your business in peace because it's really not something you can hand over to somebody. This has to come from God himself, the peace of God. And so we are told and we are taught through the Bible that we could potentially have a peace that goes beyond human comprehension. But my question is, do you have it? Do you really have it? Do you really, really have it? Well, my observation has been over the years that most don't. And why, once again, you're torn by the news report that favors your particular side. And then you're angry at the report that doesn't favor your side. You're torn. You're angry and frustrated and all that. And then you talk about peace. That's not the peace that Christ gives. Here's an interesting little twist, I thought, on the world we live in. The uh, local chapter, New York City chapter of Black Lives Matter, has called the vaccine mandate racist. And basically telling the president or the mayor, or both, if you don't do something about it, we're going to rise up again. I thought, what irony in this world. <laughs> it's so chaotic. And yet, for me, every time I open this book, the same words on the same page saying the same thing. I am the Lord thy God. I, yeah, there is none other. Amen. And then all that confusion is eliminated. Yes. Follow me. Okay, Lord, I'll follow you. Mm. Jesus said you can't serve two masters. 
You can't be pulled in every direction and say, why don't I have peace? Just sit back for a second, take a look at yourself and realize you're being pulled, I say two directions, it could be 12 directions. Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. That's the secret to this peace that surpasses understanding. Now, let me share with you something, as you know by experience. You've had peace that comes, and then, there it goes. <laughs> and then it comes, and you all, everything, yeah, then it goes. And that's not the peace of Christ. So let me see if I can illustrate what the peace of Christ is. I want you to picture a heavy iron post. It is stuck in the ground where the temperatures are well below zero, frozen, which you would know, theoretically, is immovable. It's not moving. Now, we put on that pole a flag. Wind blows east, flag blows east. Wind blows west, flag blows west. But it never affects the post. The post always remains rigid, solid, firm, doesn't move. If you think about your spirit, which the Bible says has been joined to the spirit of Christ, so that you are one with him. Then there's the soul, that's the mind. Then there's the flesh, and that's the flag. So the pole is the spirit, soul, and the flag is your flesh. It's gonna be moved by emotions, by feelings, I'm frequently frustrated, but I realize if I give in to that, my spirit soul goes right with it and pretty much circles the drain. So I just step back and lean on that peace that Christ gave me. I'm just like you, the same temptations, maybe not the exact same frustrations, but I got plenty of them, plenty. But I've learned to just stay back, to lean back until that peace stabilizes me again. Then the flag, can, that's the flesh, it can blow wherever it wants. I will not be moved by my emotions. In times past, I was. Anger, frustration. You can go down the whole list of hatred and envy and bitterness and all of this business. I'm speaking to Christians. And forfeit your inheritance. I don't know that my wife and I are, we were at one time lined up for a small inheritance from some aunts she had in England that we received that, which was you know, very thoughtful of them. It was, you know, it was small, but it was good. And especially in those days, it was needed. I can say that if I was given this massive inheritance, I would be making use of it. And Jesus is saying, I'm not just giving you peace. I'm giving you my peace. And I think in particular, we have difficulty with this because we are Americans. And we do have a say in what goes on in this country because we are the government. And I think that is a particular not only a temptation, but a particular difficulty sometimes for us, because we know we can change things if we, well, even if we pray, of course. Whereas if we were in another country where there is totally either a dictatorship or total authoritarian, in a sense, I know this sounds strange, but in a sense, it's almost a relief because you know you can't change what's on top, so you just, the Christians around the world, let's go with the scriptures. So we have this tug of war, and I'm not advocating being irresponsible as a citizen of the United States, I'm not advocating not doing what we should or what we can, but I am advocating that keep your mind on Christ and make sure you're doing it his way. I want you to think for a moment of the potential that lies before you this morning, that you could have a peace that's beyond even your own comprehension. And if you don't have it, you can have it if you play by the rules. If you do what Jesus said to do, take no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take, maybe, maybe just paraphrase it, don't take any anxious thoughts about what's going to happen tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to take care of itself. Jesus said, each day that you experience the evil of this world, that's sufficient. And so we get the expression, we hear a few songs here and there. Day by day, 
one day at a time. I have learned to live one day at a time. And when the day is exceptionally rough, then it's one hour at a time. And I mean that in a literal sense. I'll actually take out my watch and say, okay, let's just get through the next hour. Let's just concentrate on what we have to do for the hour. What you'll find if you do this is that that hour expends itself and, okay, no disaster. And even if a disaster is coming or you're going into a disaster, and that's at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, why waste all the time up to that? So then you just break it down into hours. And by the way, this is exactly what they use in special forces and other places where things are very difficult. Instead of looking at the whole months and months and months of what's facing you, you just look at what you're doing right now. This way, you fulfill the exhortation and commandment of Christ. Don't take any thought. It means anxious thought. It doesn't mean don't make a plan. Don't have a plan for your life. It means don't be anxious in your thinking about what's going to happen tomorrow. He said, because each day has enough evil of its own. So just... Take it one day at a time. Simple. Not easy, but it's simple. And when you do that, then you can, I'll use the word sense, the abiding peace that's in Christ because it's Christ in you. This is not just external things. Of course, I'm reading a book, the Bible, that's outside of me, but it's not really just outside of me. It's inside of me. And Christ is inside of me. But we forfeit it if we just go with the flag. I don't mean American flag. I just mean any flag. Let's make it a white flag. And this flag's blowing and blowing and blowing and blowing. And again, the Bible says that we are not to be little children anymore, blown about by every wind of doctrine. Well, if you do, A, you forfeit the peace of Christ. B, you will throw yourself into a state of frustration, confusion, or whatever else. Isn't it amazing if you examine your own life, how much we put on to others, which really fault lies within ourselves? Look at I am not an armchair general. I've had a very difficult life. It has been. I know what it's like to make difficult stands. I did that 16 years ago. That's why we're here. I refused to compromise. I didn't care what the consequences were. I didn't care what people thought. I did not care. I put my retirement on the line. I put my health benefits on the line. I put my salary on the line. I put 18 years of work on the line because I refused to compromise. I've been there. I know what it's like, and I'm telling you, what is on the line is the peace of God and all the promises of God and so on. We have to be able to maintain that pillar inside of Christ, that iron post that's immovable in the ground that's frozen. While the flag blows here and the flag blows there, and it will continue because we have emotions. And we're made of flesh, but we're also made of soul, and we're also made of spirit. And we have been born again. I was born on March the 22nd, 1954, first time. Born the second time, though I'm not really precisely sure the date, it was somewhere in the 70s. When I got down to my knees and I was instructed through a gospel track how to receive Christ into my heart, into my life, and I asked him into my life, and he came in. Amazingly, I prayed prayers back then. That's a long, long, long time ago. Every once in a while, when I'm in a trial, Jesus will remind me, because I said this to him, this is what I'm looking for, this is what I want in life. I'm asking you to not forget it because I may. And I'll hear a voice speak to me and say, remember what you said 46, 7 years ago? And you said to me, don't forget it. He never did. Every prayer that you've ever uttered, God has never forgotten. I have forgotten. (laughs) My own prayers. But God has never forgotten. Jesus said to us, why are you anxious about your clothes? It doesn't mean, again, get the worst clothes that you could possibly get. 
This means, why are you worried about? Look, we're in a situation right now where it's hard to get a lot of things. And where is your mind going? We're already in socialism. No, we're not. That danger exists, yes. But no, we're not. Let me, let me, you are my friends. Amen. I mean, this morning, tomorrow, maybe no. <laughs> Look, at, if you're going to trouble yourself about all the stuff you hear coming through the media and all that stuff, I, nothing I can do. Just don't trouble me. Just don't trouble me. When I do research, I read reputable people. I read every side, and then I figure out, well, there's a common denominator here, and so on. I'm just simply saying, I just gave you an example. I have the peace of Christ. I'm not going to permit anybody to disturb it. It's something worth maintaining. Now, I'll tell you this story, and again, those of you who watch the daily broadcast have heard it, but I'll say it again for all of your benefit. Well, it was 30 years ago, at least. I was going through a difficult time in ministry. And then I said to you that watch on the daily broadcast, uh, it seems like every day in ministry has been a difficult one. People are capricious, whimsical. One day you're the king. The next day it's stone them. And then when they stone you and you're dead, their children take the stones and build a monument to you. This is a great prophet. So you're better off just moving ahead with Christ. But anyway, I was going through a difficult time. My dad was one of eight boys. My grandfather died at age 38 from heart disease. They were all in World War II. They grew up during the Great Depression with great poverty. But they all went on to get very good jobs and be successful. My dad was a full vice president in a large insurance company in Manhattan. While I was going through this difficult period, I called my dad up just to discuss, because, you know, he was used to dealing with business and had big accounts that he dealt with. I was explaining to him my troubles. And after a while, he said to me, Ray, just remember why you got into this thing. Now, my dad wasn't going to say he got into the Bible or acknowledge Christ, but I knew what he meant. Just remember, he said, why you got into it. I was very disturbed. I was still, let's say, naive about human nature. He said, just remember why you got into this thing. And then it was just recently, within the last week or so, his voice came back and I said, why did I get into this thing? And you know why I got into this thing? I needed peace. And how often, just like the song says, I have forfeited my peace because I didn't go to prayer. I have forfeited my peace because I didn't remember the nature of human beings. How often have I forfeited my peace for many, many things? Yet it was never necessary to forfeit that peace because Jesus said, Peace, I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world gives it. And then he says here, as we read, let not your heart be troubled. See, let not implies the will. And I am convinced, regardless of the opinions of others, that it's the will that guides our life. For instance, I could be here today. I could not be here today. For that matter, you could be here today. You could not be here today. That was a decision. Let not your heart be troubled. Don't let it be troubled. Because when you're not aware your heart can be moved just like the flag or the illustration and you're moving in the flesh or even in the power of the soul the mind is racing with thoughts and all of this and the flag is moving you to a place and you just lost the peace yet Jesus desires for us to stay in a constant flow of peace and we read in Philippians he desires for us to stay in a peace that's beyond comprehension beyond our ability to understand it and I have also discovered that when you're really in the peace of God, you actually forget. You know, sometimes I come across things on the internet, maybe YouTube. I say to myself, gee, I should have known this. And I didn't. 
I knew nothing about the rock group ZZ Top. Nothing. Until about two weeks ago. I said, well, who, I know I heard the name, but who are these guys? They started their band when I was 15 years old. Huh. And then they got connected to Phil Robertson. I knew nothing about Phil Robertson. I mean, I could recognize him if he sat down here. And uh, I got curious about Phil Robertson. By the way, he has some great messages. Anyway, I say to myself, wow, going back to ZZ Top. Well, it wasn't long after they came out and they were becoming popular, I became saved. One of the first things I did is I got rid of all my records. Back then, there were vinyls. They were no good because everything was digitized. And now everybody's saying, hey, get the vinyls back. They're even better. I just got rid of them. That was just what I did. I didn't want to be in the world anymore. I didn't want to be of the world. Anointed my guitar, I told you that. Took a guitar that looks like that one there. An ovation, anointed with oil and said, Lord, now I play my music for you. This was my commitment to Christ. My point being is that when you're so zeroed in on something like the Bible, other things pass you by. But you don't need to know, in my opinion, much about ZZ Top. You don't need to know anything about them. All you need to know is this book. This book. What other things you don't know? Wesley told his Methodist preachers, be a man of one book. Now, I read a lot. You know that. But the idea was just be an expert here. If you're not an expert in anything else, be an expert in this. Peace I leave you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives it. Politics. I've always disliked politics. I really have no interest. Someone told me I should be running for office. I said, I have a job. Yeah, but I said, no, no, I'm not a politician. You know, those of you who are a little older, like my age older, you remember the song, vote for me and I'll set you free? Rap on, brother. Isn't that what we hear? It's the same old story. Now, I'm going to keep voting, believe me. I'm going to keep on voting. I will always vote. That's my responsibility. But when someone says, vote for me and I'll set you free, in my head I said, I'm already free. You transplant me from America and move me to another country, I'm still free. Wherever you put me on the face of the earth, I'm free because whom the sun sets free is free indeed. I hope that we can preserve our American liberties. I really do. And that's what we're praying for, third great awakening, because that's what our country needs. But it doesn't affect my freedom. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free from the inside. Now there's an abiding peace if you just tap into it, take a lamp. Let's pretend this is a lamp. Actually, we don't have to pretend. It's a fan. And you hear it? It's blowing. Now, if I take this cord over here, which I'm not going to do, but if I take this cord over here and I unplug it, it doesn't blow. To the uninitiated working with technology, you say, it doesn't work. Look, it broke. <laughs> Did I tell you this story about my wife when we were young, first married? Called me up. Yep. Call me up at work, you know, vacuum cleaners, brand new, don't work. Uh, I come home and take a look. I start immediately to get that screwdriver out, taking it apart. Looks okay. <laughs> then I looked at the wall. <laughs> you ever have a fight with your spouse? <laughs> the thing's unplugged. It didn't work because it's unplugged. <laughs> this works because it's plugged in. There it goes. Oh, I just, yeah, there it goes. It works because it's plugged in, and guess what? If I unplug it, it's not going to work. Let's think of our relationship with Christ that way. I'm praying and, you know, irritated and frustrated. What's going to happen tomorrow? And, and wow, you know, and what happened was you're unplugged. It's not a great illustration because we know we're saved and Christ saves us and all that. 
But it's a great illustration of why peace comes and goes. You're unplugged. Whatever it is, and some things that come into people's lives, including my own, are difficult to deal with. They're difficult to comprehend. They're difficult to think about. But I know that I realize that if I don't stay plugged in, I'm going to circle the drain. It's not going to be good. And this is your answer. Today, what are you looking at? What are you thinking about? I've learned from watching and taking part in the social media, the attention span of the average individual, especially in America, is very, very short. I was always wondering why these guys that have millions of followers have millions of followers. And a good part of that reason is very short. Or they change the subject every couple minutes so that the dopamine addiction that most Americans have is kept in place. It's always shaking and moving. But if you talk slow, somebody told me, I talk too slow. I said, well, I do that on purpose because people who are watching are depressed. Some are suicidal. So I want to create an environment where people can calm down. But people don't even watch a 20-minute broadcast all the way through. You're stuck here during a one-hour sermon. But they're not. They're just boop, boop, they're gone. I don't even know they're gone. I didn't know either they tuned in. I don't know. I just know that I talk too slow. And I said, I'm going to continue to talk slow. It's time to just settle down. It's time to calm down and enjoy the peace that has been bequeathed to us. If you look at people, you're going to lose it. That's the truth. And at times, it's frustrating. Once I was in a hiding place, an actual hiding place. I fixed myself in a position where I said, okay, they can't see me this way, and they can't see me that way. This is a true story. And yeah, before you know it, all of a sudden, I got tap on the back. Well, it was my son, so that was okay. But we have a hiding place in Christ. Listen to this verse from Isaiah chapter 32. It's verse 17. And the work of righteousness shall be peace, and the effect of righteousness, quietness, and assurance forever. The effect of righteousness, this has a future reference, but our immediate reference is the effect of doing the right thing. What is right? Righteous, being righteous in Christ and doing the right thing. The effect of that, though it's difficult at times, the effect of that is peace. I've told you many times. I can put my head down on the pillow at night knowing that I gave my best effort that day for whatever I was involved in. My conscience is clear. Now, you have to understand that in my position, there are some people who really don't like me. And they'll blame me for what's really a problem in their own life. I'm quick to make my own faults right. If I've actually done wrong, I'm going to make that right as soon as possible so that I can put my head in the pillow at night with a clear conscience. But some people, they're going to take it the other way. And I don't trouble myself about that, at least not anymore. Because the effect of righteousness is peace. Jesus came in Luke 1, 79, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. It's yet future, but as we read and know, it's now. He came to die. He came for a lot of reasons. That's the most important. But he came to guide our feet into the way of peace. Let me say this again. It's good to reiterate. People are not even doing it intentionally. They're just putting their hand in your heart to take the peace out. They're not doing it intentionally, not most times, except for the highly manipulative individuals that are in our lives. They're not happy, and when they find you, they're going to do their best to make sure you're not happy. I'm not happy. And then we have an old adage, misery loves company. That's why people gossip. They're miserable people intent on making other people miserable. What happens when you tell someone who comes to dump on you, listen, I've had enough of this. I don't want to hear it anymore. 
Well, it's not always a good result. But it's good for you because this is exactly what I do. I've had enough. Don't want to hear anymore. Because they have their hand in my heart and they're trying to steal my peace and ruin my day or ruin my hour or whatever. And here it says Jesus came to guide our feet into the way of peace. Luke 2.14, we have the angels. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Just a little aside here, just a little something to think about. You see, the real Bible experts tell you, these angels didn't sing. Do you see where it says they sang? You know what I say? What difference does it make? They sang, they spoke. It's the message that we want. But they'll write a whole book about it. A whole book about angels don't sing. The angels didn't sing here. It's a waste of time. It's better to enjoy the peace of God right here, right now, than to be talking about how many angels can dance on the head of a pen. Theologians, I once had to do a paper for one of my degrees to define a theologian. I couldn't find the reference, but someone once defined a theologian as someone who is answering all the questions no one is asking. Now, theologians obviously have their place, but I thought that was pretty tongue-in-cheek, a good statement. Sometimes people are answering questions I'm not asking. I don't care if they're singing it. I don't care if they're speaking it. I don't care if they're preaching it. We know they herald it, but they said, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. Goodwill, God's goodwill toward men. And that's all you need to know. John chapter 16, verse 33. These things have I spoken unto you that in me ye might have peace. In me. Don't raise your hand. But how many of you came from churches where there was no peace in that church at all? Don't raise your hand. I've been there. Sheep are biting each other. Sheep, I thought, were ordinarily calm and somewhat placid animals. But they're just biting each other. And they say, hey, come join us. I've already been involved with gangs. I fought my way to school for years. I don't need you to bite me. No, thank you. But he doesn't say there. He says, in me. These things have I spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You know, when you watch the news and it's not to your, credit, it's not to your favor, rather, it's time to rejoice. I knew of a preacher who every time he received bad news through a party, not a large party, but a small party. That was his way of reacting. I thought that was great. Called up his wife and said, let's have a party. Why? Something went wrong at work or at the church or wherever. Let's throw a party. Be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. And he is returning. And the signs that we see, as I spoke to you a few weeks back about looking up, are with us. Now is the time to look up. Someone explained to me this week that what has been helping her in times of stress and anxiety is to sing. And then she explained, she said, I really have a good voice. But you know what? God never said, you can only sing if you have a good voice. Did God ever tell you that your pitch is not perfect? Did God ever say to you, stop singing? You're hurting my ears. Or do you think God takes pleasure in your song? Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Our verse again, John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives it. How does the world give it? Well, there's many, many forms. This is true. This is an interesting fact. They did some studies, and they found out that people who either won the lottery, like millions of dollars, or people who had a bad tragedy, after one year, they were exactly the same as they were before hitting the lottery, before the great tragedy. It's just like music, we that studied music know that music has a tendency to resolve itself. It has a tendency to kind of end, so to speak, 
where it began. It resolves itself. And it's interesting to me, this came from a secular book, not a Christian book. People who win the lottery, they're happy for a moment or months. People who have great tragedy, they're not so happy. But at the end of a year, they've returned to the exact same place where they were. That's a study. That's a statistical study. We have Christ. And our life is a slow ascending line. Higher and higher and higher. And many times you're growing in the Lord when you don't know it. And many times, not always, I wouldn't say all times, but many times you're growing when you're under the most stress, the most pressure. Because what's happening is the confidence that you had in the flesh or in your own wisdom is being diminished. And you're saying, God, I don't know what to do. And then God said, well, I knew that from the beginning. So I'm praying. And God said, yeah, yeah, about time. Oh, and we can go all along these lines, but the thing to take away from this today is that it's not just peace, but my peace. My peace. Remember I told you last week? The worst thing that can happen to you is that you die. Then, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Look at this blessing in Psalm 29, 11. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. The Lord will give strength unto his people the Lord will bless his people with peace. There's so many times that you'll never know. As I'm preaching, I'm actually encouraging myself. I'm saying to myself while I'm talking to you, wow, that's pretty good. You should practice that. <laughs> Psalm 72, 2, he shall judge thy people with righteousness and the poor with judgment, and he will give peace. Psalm 72, 7, in his days shall the righteous flourish and abundance of peace so long as the moon endureth its yet future. When you think, when you watch, when you look, and you see the unrest in this world, which is not new, it's always been around, and you see these people, don't join them. Take a step back. Don't let them pull you into their drama. I, for one, am tired of drama. I'm not tired of people bringing me their problems. I like hand, uh, you. You're, I'm your pastor, right? I'm your pastor, right? Telling you, people are whimsical. They're capricious. I really don't mind, you know, your texts or emails or pray for me for this or that, whatever. I truly, I like helping people. I really do. But what I refuse to get involved in is the constant complaint. I'm all done with that. All done with that. You want resolution? I'm your guy. I will do my best to help you resolve this. That's what we want. So that we have peace. Peace with God. Well, you say, I have that. Okay. Peace with one another. You say, well, I'm not down there doing this, that, or the other thing. But they're drawing you in. And let me give you a clue about being truly wise. And I hope that you trust me. I'm a loyal guy. I don't have it in me to be disloyal. I truly don't. But having said that, you have to understand that there's people that you do trust that are drawing you into their drama. And I'll just leave it with drama. And all of a sudden, before you know it, there you are right in the thick of it. And all of a sudden, you're upset. Now, I'm blessed more than most of you because when I start to get upset, my stomach hurts. And then I say, oh, see, I use it as a barometer. So, oh, and I realize I'm getting drawn into the drama. Not to a problem that's looking for resolution. That's different. I'm getting drawn into drama. Can any of you agree with your pastor? We've just established I'm your pastor. At least for now. Who knows about next week? But can any of you say, I'm with you, pastor. I'm tired of the drama. If I want to watch drama, I'll turn on, you know, movies that I watch at 9, 9.30 at night for an hour or so, whatever I do. I spend a little time in front of the TV. And I can watch something that I know is fiction. Oh, and this has nothing to do with my message. But I may write to the author of Jesus and John Wayne, 
this woman professor at Calvin College. And I might write to her to tell her what I've done. I just read a little bit of her book. Jesus and John Wayne, What White Evangelicals Have Done to Corrupt the Faith. Went to the Bible and I read it. And then I had a little binge on some John Wayne movies. <laughs> I am. I'm white, in case you haven't figured that out. I'm white. Not precisely the evangelical, but as far as I know, I haven't done anything to corrupt the faith. This is the type of nonsense. You see, as I read this book and the title grabbed me, I said, oh, wait a second, wait a second. I see Satan behind that thing. She's going to drag me into her world. And I said, I don't think so. If it's something I need to know to help my preaching and teaching, then I'll read it. I read a lot of things I really care not to read. But, oh, no, 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 no. I am not going over there. I get drawn into that drama so I can have the peace that Christ promised me and keep it. Keep it. Psalm 85:10. Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. There are so many verses in the Bible that deal with this subject, just like faith and other ones. You really should do a word study on it. Take out your Bible and your concordance. You've got the technology now. It's easy to do. And do a study on peace. And let the Lord instruct you that you can stay in peace. I quoted it earlier. Let me quote it again from Isaiah 26, 3. Thou will keep him in perfect peace. Perfect but what you need to understand, I have taught on this before. In Isaiah 26, 3, you read verse 4 as well because it's connected. The adjective perfect is not there in Hebrew. The word peace is. And what it says is, thou will keep him in shalom, shalom. If you were to read it in Hebrew, you'll see shalom, shalom twice. So it's augmenting the state of peace. So that the translators say, well, the best way to get this across is to use the word perfect. Similar to what we read in Philippians chapter 4, which said that you can have a peace that is beyond human comprehension. And there's the way that you do it. While the flag is blown on the flesh and the emotions, which all of us have, you step back and say, I'm not going to be blown about by every wind of doctrine, by the fear mongers. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears in Psalm 34.4. Is that true in your life? And if it's not, you know, to coin an expression, go for it. Be determined. Maybe others around you are not determined. You be determined to live in a state of perfect peace. And it's not going to be easy because the flag's going to blow left. It's going to blow right. It may be torn because the winds of this world are blowing great gusts. But yet inside is Christ. Christ in me, the hope of glory. And if you go back and just step out, go back into the inner man, there's Christ waiting for you, the one that saved you. There's Christ waiting for you. You will always have God provide for you. For he said he would supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He will always supply what you need. Not just, we have a tendency to think of material things. What do you need today emotionally? He's the comforter. He's the healer. He's the one who comes alongside of us to help us. He's our teacher. He's Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will see and the Lord will provide. That's how I comfort myself. This fancy word vicissitude. The vicissitudes of life. Constant shifting and changing and chaos. Which I think has gotten worse. Yet one thing remains stable. God is. And he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I don't want you to forget the parable of the ten virgins, all professing Christ. And now as the days get worse and worse, these guys who let their oil run low, they're going to be calling, hey, I got to meet. Oh, no, I don't think so. I got other people I got to meet with. I got other people that are calling me. I got other needs. 
Plus, if I start to give you all of, let me just use the word energy. If I give you all of my energy, there'll be nothing left for me. I'll be depleted. So go and get some oil. But in the parable, it's too late. So you want to keep, as we sing that little ditty, that little song, give me oil in my lamp and keep it burning, 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 every day burning. I'll end with this little story. This is a true story. Years ago, around this time of year, we used to have an annual bonfire. It was great. You know, we have chili and things to eat, and kids had games and what have you. We were standing by the fire, and one of the brothers at the time asked me, he said, Pastor, how do you keep your fire all the time? I said, well, it's a lot like this bonfire. As long as we kept putting logs in it, that fire would still be burning. That's about 30 years ago also, 25 years ago. But what happens is that you don't feed your faith. One day missing the Bible of reading becomes two days, two weeks, three months. Same with missing church services and prayer and all that. And before you know it, you can't figure out what happened. Maybe you're reminiscing about the days that used to be, and there's nothing there. Because you defect, that's in a manner of speaking, you defect one tick at a time. We don't pay, most people don't pay much attention to the second hand. It moves so slow, but they add up. And all of a sudden, this little hand's over here, then it's around here. How many of you are amazed at how fast the day goes? And I always say, I just can't believe how fast this day went. Well, that's troubling, I guess, but on the other hand, it's a good sign. The faster the days go, the quicker we get out of here. If the days hadn't been shortened, Jesus said, no flesh would even survive the times that we're heading into now. So what you want to do is you want to make sure. I have a Bible in my car. Well, now with technology, i got a whole library of thousands of books in my pocket. They're all over the place, Bibles. Why is that? Well, if you're going to go someplace and you have to wait, then you just turn out the Bible and you read it. Mr. Barnett, yes? It's only been an hour. Okay. i got an hour's worth of reading instead of just sitting there, you know, by doing that, you keep this habit strong. How shall they hear without a preacher? But faith comes by hearing, reading, and hearing by the word of God. You don't want this to slip. Church attendance, missing once, no big deal, right? Twice, three times, three months, three years. All of a sudden, Lord, we're not ready. You're coming for us and we're not ready. We don't have the oil. And Jesus said, now remember, this is Jesus I'm quoting. I'm not speaking for myself. He says, then he shall shut the door. One of my sons had a dream many, many years ago. He was a little kid. And it was, um, it was a church that we were in formerly, the building we were in formerly. And it was a great storm outside, thunder and lightning. People who had left were now banging on the door. Let us in, let us in, let us in. And he said, Dad, you know, in the dream, you went to the little picos and slid it. And in the dream, Dad, you said you were telling them, I told you, but now it's too late. And we don't know that. And we don't believe that sometimes. I could be a Christian all by myself. No, you can't. Because if you could, it would have been written in this book. It would have never had said, assemble yourselves one to another. Well, I can watch on TV. Well, if you have to, you have to. Okay. But I think that habits have now been built up. Where people learned while we were shut down for a few months. They said, ooh, hey, this is good. Coffee, breakfast, TV, little gospel. Look, that's not bad. That's why we do it. But how do you have fellowship with other Christians? How do you love the brethren? You see, we're here to strengthen one another, to encourage one another. And occasionally, to give a swift kick in the gluteus maximus, we're needed. Because Christ came to give you peace. And that's something you should go after with all your heart. Say, so, you know what? I'm at peace. It's hard to do. Especially if you're the type of person that really cares about people. You really want to help them. I really care about people. I surely do. But sometimes I just say, you know what? 
this is out of my hands. God, take it. The peace returns. I want you to be honest with yourself. You don't have to tell anybody to raise your hand and say amen, none of that. I want you to be honest with yourself. Do you really have a peace that surpasses human comprehension that no matter what happens to you in your life, you can always say it's good? That's the type of peace the Apostle Paul wrote about. I know how to abound. I know how to be in need. But I have learned in whatever state I am in, therewith to be content. Huh. I want you to ask yourself the question, to yourself, you know, be honest with yourself. Do you really have a peace that's beyond human comprehension? It doesn't necessarily mean either that you're silly and superficial. It just means there's that iron post that's deep inside you. That no matter where the flag blows, I shall not be moved. You can say that. I will not be moved. You know, in so many church services, at the end of the service, the pastor will say, the peace of Christ be with you. Think about that. It's profound. But most people don't. They just say, yeah, thanks. We're gone. The peace of Christ be with you. That's what I want to pray for right now. Father, in Jesus' name, let the peace of Christ, where he said, my peace be with you, rise up inside every professing Christian in front of me, watching by live stream, listening by way of radio. I pray today, Lord, Father God, that this peace would burst forth like a river so that when we do watch the news, we can watch it dispassionately and intelligently and be educated and understand what's going on in the world around us, but not be sucked into it. Father, help us today to have peace like a river, peace that rises up within us, always strengthening the inner man. We bless you, and we praise you, and we thank you for what is held out before us today, the potential to live with a peace that nothing, no matter how dramatic it may be, can move it. It still remains. We give you praise. We give you the glory. We give you the honor. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Hallelujah. God is good all the time. He doesn't change. You keep in mind, you hear this and see that and watch that and all of this. I mean, disturbing things. They're only little pieces of a large master plan that God has initiated from the very beginning of the book of Genesis. He's going to bring this world to a conclusion that will have, for those who trust in Christ, a very, very happy ending. For those who've gone on before us, the resurrection, and so on. Keep in mind, when these little things bother you, and step back and look at a large master plan that God has initiated when Adam sinned, and we're part of it. God, we ask you today to remind us all this week to keep our minds stayed on you, and then you will keep us in perfect peace. And shalom, shalom. I ask you, God, to remind us this week to love you with all the heart, all the soul, all the mind, all the strength. And just continue to remind us that we must love one another. We give you all the praise. We give you all the glory. We give you all the honor today in Jesus' mighty name. And let everybody say amen, amen. and amen.